0: Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day to day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. Welcome to episode 51, recorded on February 7th, 2023. When was the worst time to be a startup? Well, maybe when the pandemic first hit. This is where Robin Tam and the people at Hopin Technologies found themselves in the spring of 2020. So what did they do? Well, they pivoted in a smart cities kind of way. We'll explore what that means in just a second. First, though, it's Grant and his special brand of tech news. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if you've got any robot news this week. Okay,
1: okay. I do, and I'll go with that first only because you... Had to bring it up first. It wasn't my first one. But I think it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you know, but NASA has released its own robot um, through a company called App App Protonic. And, uh, I mean, obviously a good name is called Apollo. Oh. Um, And if you have a chance to go on NASA's website um, and see this robot, it's built exactly like a human So it can do humanistic things, bend properly, fit into things properly. And that, why is that? No, it's not made today to fly the next spaceship to the moon today. But this robot, if you look at it, will have the ability to do all the tasks humans do, fit in the things, but it will be the workforce on the moon.
0: I'm looking at it now. Oh, yeah. Is that cool? Uh, yeah, it looks like a T-1000 without the... Uh- it is.
1: Now, why is that interesting to me? My co-founder sent the first spaceship in space with artificial intelligence, Barney.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So he must be so excited to see that a robot's going to be doing that. You know, obviously, he went on to, to invent Bing, which, of course, is now going to be, of course, a chatbot. Um, so it's all exciting. But I
0: thought I would talk about that because... This is the most this is the most humanoid looking robot, like industrial robot that I think industrial, I've ever seen. Yeah. I hate humanoids. Yeah. But this is the right.
1: See, Alan, if I take my robot to the next level, that's what I want to look like. I want to go from R D T2 to something like that. Not the facial like they're doing in the Middle East
0: and that. No, no. This looks cool. Okay.
1: Okay. Next. Yeah. Um the last the I'll wait. Okay, I'll do the big what we're all talking about last. So another one I like is this new company. Or, or science and, and university and colleges are working on, and it is material that it's like a skin that you put around your house. And for, for argument's sake, and, and by the way, this is a this skin is this as, as thick as your hair. Okay, so it's a, like a membrane. It's a film. It's a film with a membrane, and it's a membrane. And they put it over your house, and it acts exactly like a jacket would work. When it's too cold. It does not allow heat to be admitted out of the roof. Okay. So, and then if it's too hot, it emits everything coming out. And what does it sense? It senses human heat and sun. So it knows all the heat that's coming out. It knows, oh, all this heat's coming. I don't want to lace that in the environment anyhow. So I'm going to translate that and not let it out of the house And the film will keep the heat in the house. It does not create heat. It preserves heat. Now, the neat part, though, is it is really hot in my house today. It emits all the heat out of the house, up to 80%. So therefore, you need less air conditioning, less all that. So it actually does this. You don't turn a switch on. It interacts with your heating system or your cooling system. It says, oh, no, don't do that. I'm emitting all this. Oh, oh, put the heat up. Because I feel the sun's getting very hot outside. Okay. And so it's an interaction. Now, right now under tests, they put the film down. Soon, it'll be a spray can.
0: Okay. Now, <laughs> and and this does not have to be in any way physically wired or connected to the actual HVAC system of the house. No, it's minute It just senses it. Yeah, it senses it. Senses heat and cold. Yeah. Okay, so I, I no, I get no, it. I'm a long go, time away. No, Alan. no, and, and I, here's here's I'm gonna go ahead prognosticate. Okay, go ahead. Um, can that heat recovery or heat uh, dissipation yep. be used to generate energy? Uh, probably not. Okay. Because it's not that for that reason. But
1: what it is doing, it's creation amount. It, it's decreasing the amount of energy you need to
0: generate. Okay, so you do say, yeah, okay.
1: It's a saving the planet type thing. Right. Um, and, you know, I talked on a podcast way back about the film they were putting on Windows mm-hmm. with solar. It's the same idea. Mm. I, I like it. I mean, I think it's different. It's new. How many of these things actually become products? That's why we talk about it. Okay. So last one I'm going to talk about is not crazy. Wow. I never heard of it. Um, it's uh, It's all we're talking about right now. And I'm getting so tired of it. And I really am getting tired of it.
0: You're going to say chatbot, aren't of course. You?
1: And you know I've talked about this how long? A Year ago, uh-huh. okay, before anyone was talking about it, because you know it has a lot of personal preference to me because chat, right? The way Microsoft is is partnering, um, it's it's the GPT, and people don't know they they just they just read the buzzwords what GPT is, but essentially rather than pronounce it for you. It's taking um, text and turning it into things artificially and quickly. That's what it's doing. Without the text, it can't do anything. Okay. So, and then going to mobilize it on Bing. That's a big deal because Barney invented Bing. I am a co-founder. So I, I mean, when I thought with him two weeks ago, he's feeling pretty proud right now. Um, and I thought, if I have to hear that word one more time, Alan, <laughs> right? I mean, you know how many emails I get a day? Thousands. And I'm asking me all about chat, VT, chat this, chat that. And I said, guys, and I said this, I did say this. If you think for a minute, Google's sitting around going, oh, gee, I'm really worried. Oh, my God. No, they're not. not my God, what do they
0: have? It's called Bard.
1: Okay. And before that, it was, Bard had a longer name, Experimental Bard, which people didn't know. It's been going on forever. But, you know, people like to hop on the media. And by the way, good reason. But just understand something. Chatbots are not new. The what they develop is great. Are you know A, the the AI involved with it? And I and I agree. I, I agree with that. But I understand something. Who holds all the big cards here? It's not Microsoft. It's Google. Guys, if you haven't been there, there's this company called Google that owns seventy percent of the world's markets data. If you think they're going to say, "Oh, here you go. Thank you. Yeah, we're out now." I mean, so now what we have is these two mega companies, which I'm really glad to see, have created this incredible momentum that I think is scaring people more than helping people. Right
0: now, because anything,
1: anything sufficiently new is scary. Oh, that you can't stop. Right. Okay. Um, however, in saying that, of course, I love it and I'm excited and we're developing it already into our stuff and we're going to have it in all of our technology here, which I think a lot of people will do, because it's AI. It's not it's, people keep giving these things words. The only word that matters in this whole thing is AI. It's just another AI thing that's amazing. It is amazing. But I don't. You know, I think we have to talk about it because, uh, and get people, calm down, everyone's got it. If you think it's just those two, haha, watch. Watch what everyone does.
0: At the risk of bringing up a lot of bad memories, let's think back to the worst days of the pandemic. Many people could work from home, but what if you were an essential worker and you had to get to the job even though transit wasn't running? Robin Tam is here to explain how the startup Hopin identified and solved a problem. Okay, Robin, let's start at the very beginning. Tell us about yourself and tell us about your company.
2: Well, my academic uh, was in business, finance specifically. Uh, I spent most of my early years working in banking as a financial advisor in wealth management, Moved around the financial industry a bit, gained some exposure with investment banks, private equity groups, family offices. Uh, You know, during this time, I I really built a passion and and interest for business um, and all types of businesses, industries, sectors. And I learned from all sorts of professionals, entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, people who are at a point in life where I hope to get to one day. I, you know, and I learned a little bit about how all these people kind of navigated to, to where they were today and, uh, and the perspectives that, you know, they had in life and, they, you know, on, on the economy, politics, policy, markets in general. And, uh, you know, being in the bank, I had full access and insight into their every move, where they ate, how they board, where they traveled, where they spent every dime and penny, credit score, assets, expenses, previous addresses, all sorts of good stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of these people, you know, once they got to where they got to, I found that they all had one thing in common was to create value or at least find, find a way to create value in, in a certain capacity. And, you know, how I got involved with Hopin, you know, during my time uh, previously in, in, in the financial industry, I, and I'm going to go on a small tangent here. I think I said I was going to go on a small tangent. Okay. So, so but, but here it is. Uh, during the time... Um, when I was there. This is kind of when cannabis actually was approaching legalization. And, and I think a lot of us can kind can, of can remember, wasn't that far ago, um, and that's a conversation for a different day as to how that went. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at my cannabis stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. not good, guys. You, no. Oh, you're still holding them. I am still holding. Oh, I'm holding Hexo. Oh, yeah. I, unfortunately, okay. Yes. Uh, well, so a major pain point these guys, uh, and I say these people, uh, were facing. I said people because they weren't actually businesses yet, pre-legalization, right? Um, was that the banks had yet to develop an appetite to accept any sort of engagement with this industry. These people couldn't even open a bank account if they mentioned the word cannabis, um, which, is, which is ironic because we're in the process of legalization. So how do you develop an industry when, you know, they've got no access to services? And so I started working alongside various companies who, uh, some still exist today, and unfortunately some, some don't, on, on guiding them on how to, you know, navigate the regulatory environment to ensure they were able to access banking services while maintaining compliance. Because the last thing you want to do is kind of put your money in a place where it's going to get freezed, or worse, even seized. And so this is where I got a taste for startups and, and consulting. Fast forward uh, a couple of years, uh, I got head-tunted from a, a startup consulting group to work with a FinTech company that needed to build out their business development and growth strategy in the financial space. So a similar capacity, which required a component of understanding, again, you know, the regulatory environment and maintaining compliance and best practices. And this is where I really, got a taste for, for startups. Um, And it kicked off my consulting career, you know, while still allowing me to maintain my passion, my passion in the finance and and investment space. So at this time, I had already developed a fond appreciation for business. And and like I said, all sorts of business quickly learned that there was good business and bad bad business. business. (laughs) And, um, you know, the one thing that bothered me the most after working through all these different capacities is that the world was pursuing growth at the expense of sustainability, and it was just extremely short-sighted, right? Um, and again, this is when I when I was introduced to Hopin. Um, they were they were just a concept at the time, an idea, if you will, and I was approached because they were looking for for seed funding. Um, so, being in a financial industry, that you know, that's that's how I got engaged with them. However, I worked at an investment bank at the time where we only invested in much larger and more established organizations. But, you know, I met with the team anyways because they, they had a pretty interesting uh, concept. And so everything was history from there. Uh, they sold me right off the get-go. Uh, you know, during our first meeting, they, they pitched me and said, I hated my commute to work. And uh, honestly, I think, I think a lot of people can relate. You know, whether Why? you drive or take public transit, I, I think most people can relate. I mean, I, I gave Grant a call on the way over and I said, you know, uh, hit a bit of unexpected traffic, so I'm going to get there right on time.
1: And, of course, the response to mine was, whatever. <laughs> yeah. well, why? Because we get used to it. What
2: are you going to do? It's what we do now. It's normalized, right? Yeah. Tra- traffic yeah. issues. It's, you know,
0: traffic is one of those things that if you are late for a meeting and you give the excuse of traffic, people go, oh, okay. It's done. It's, it's, it's actually dash. almost it's acceptable. It's not a problem anymore. anymore. no, no. no. Yeah. Right? Which is sad, actually, because it, it should it always be. be a problem. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and we'll get to that because time. Sure. We value sure. time. I think all of us do more so, to, you know, today than ever. Yeah. Anyways, we're working in downtown Toronto, uh, living in, and I live in Markham myself uh, pre- previously, not anymore, but I was there. Um, and at that time, you know, in the suburbs. Uh, long story short, this is when I thought, all right, I, I can, I can really make an impact here. I, I can turn the wheel. Part part of my pun, you know. Um, and really generate real impactful value right in my own backyard where I lived. And these guys were based out of Markham. Uh, and unfortunately, because I, I, you know, I can't invest because they were way too early stage, but I sure as hell can work with them to build this thing and uh, see how far I could take it with them. And, you know, here we are today. So now you're on
1: board and um, yeah, so, so and, and I know where you're going with this, obviously I've been in your industry my whole life. Um, so let's look at, you got, you got excited. You came on board. What was the plan? And, and, um, cause you said, you know, you, you were tired of, of the commutes, the impact it had, not just on that, but obviously you know, our future. Um, so tell us what you, um, what you did. So you got on board, pitched you, what was the next move?
2: Well, you know, it's, at that time, again, we were in a low interest rate environment. And again, a lot of this stuff comes from, from the background I was in. Um, so, so and, and if you think about startups in uh, 2019, um, give or take a couple of years, you know, liquidity was everywhere. Uh, unicorn companies were everywhere. Billion dollar valuations were everywhere. Um, and that's kind of, you know, where I start off with when I said, uh, you know, companies are pursuing growth at the expense of sustainability because they, they, they have the money to do it. To throw anything on a wall and see what sticks, and I really, you know, again, these guys sold me based on on what what they were trying to create in terms of value. And the first thing they said is, you know, one day we hope to contribute towards smart city growth and development. And I think that's why we're here today, right? Okay. Yeah.
0: So was that their 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 original plan? That's what they wanted to do.
2: That was their, and and again through conversation, um, I think I think what evolved was that was eventually what became their long term vision. Because you can't you can't just come out and and go smart city, right? You, you've it's, a have, it's a buzzword. It's a buzzword. It's a buzzword. You got to create value. You got to create impact. Um, and smart city is essentially, and again, part of my point here, it's data driven. You need data, and so. My goal with them was to was to extract whatever value they had in the core business that they were looking to get into, which is transit and mobility. And so for me, it was understanding, what are the touch points? What are the data points? What, what's the friction behind this issue that you need to uncover to be able to contribute towards your smart city development uh, you know, vision? And I, and I use air quotes there. I obviously can't see that in this podcast, mm-hmm. but. So, so working with these guys was kind of you know honing in on on the granular aspects of of what the business mechanics were, finding out where the data points that uh, I believe and what we we as a business could actually touch on um, to contribute towards uh, you know infrastructure development, insight, data. Working and collaborating with 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 partnerships in a public private capacity because you know as a private organization you can only go so far you really need the support um, from from the public, right?
1: Now when you say gov- uh, cov- public, do you mean government or do you mean people? They can't see you. They're man. very but, different. But you're, you're
2: smiling right now. <laughs> you're so um, uh, very different. Go- government, right? And obviously with with the support of the people. So so we needed to cater to the masses because if you don't cater to the masses. The government is not going to take note of that, right? You're not impacting enough people. I'd like to think, this is going to be a conversation for another podcast, that you know, government in general is supposed to be greater good for the greatest number of people. I, yeah, I'd like to think that that's, that's still what is being pursued. And so, you know, we're working with them and, and, and uncovering, peeling back the layers is, how do we impact a greater number of people? Which,
1: by the way, we haven't even told him what he's doing yet. No, I'm waiting for it. And we're going to do that now. Okay. So so he, he gets on board. He's an entrepreneur with a group of entrepreneurs. They're going to change the way mass transit and movement of people uh, is going to work to benefit everybody. And, of course, at the same time, make it a profitable, creative, a uh, uh, commercial model. So I, I think... Probably what you want to do now is run through, and I'm sure you're not the only one that does it. Um, it doesn't matter if you are or not, because if I always like people to do it, that way it's easy for everybody to understand. So why don't you tell us what the company does, and then we can maybe lead into some cases where it's actually out there uh, operating.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the company the company definitely evolved in the last couple of years, Um I mean, again, you know, I met these guys, what, it was 2018, maybe I think 2019. So you fast forward a little bit, you know, some more, the pandemic hit, right? And that was big a big effect. Big game effect. changer for transit and mobility. The biggest, right? The biggest. Yeah. How people operated, how you worked. Um, so, pa- so, so, so the pandemic hit, public transit was shut down for a bit. Uh, people were not allowed to congregate in public places. Uh, let alone a packed bus, streetcar, subway, you name it. And so the movement of people came to a halt. Um, Essential services were designated, designated, and the likes of those personnel couldn't get around. Nurses and doctors in particular were told they cannot take public transit due to what? Risk of transmission, right? Understandable. Um, And this is kind of where we found our niche. We first started with a couple of pilots with organizations such as uh, St. Mike's Hospital, St. Joseph's Healthcare, Mackenzie Health, to name a few. Right? Uh, to to work and, and address again, you know, we're we're in the we're in the business of transit and mobility and transit came to a halt. And we're like, oh what 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 are we going Now what? What are we going But do? I
1: mean it's great that you took the attitude that first of all, no one wanted COVID, obviously. No. But you took the attitude is how can we take that and turn it into a positive? Rather or than, than how, how,
2: rather than, I got no job, I got no money, I don't know what I'm gonna do for two years. But this pre seed, right? We didn't get funding yet. There's no money to work with.
0: Right. So, did you address this as an opportunity or a real crisis?
2: Well, absolutely. It was a lemon, turn a lemons into lemonade situation. Right. Um, and, and, and we then started a pilot with a food processing plant after we kind of found our niche, you know, in the, in, in the essential, in essential services and addressing them. Um, so, we got into the food processing plant, which again is an es- essential service and required workers to be present within the facility. Um, you know, unlike many jobs, such as ours, where we had the luxury of working from home, these folks were all still operating our supply chain, you know, to keep food on our tables. So, you know, after we found our niche, and more importantly, this is where we start identifying problems within the transit space as a whole. Essential services, such as manufacturers, you know, food production plants, food processing facilities, and the likes of all these, you know, they, they all operate 24 hours a day. When we're sleeping, there's people working there, you know, keeping our supply chain going. Whereas public transit, such as bus services, ended at what, 2 a.m., give or take? Depending on the region that you're in, right? And so most of these workers were considered, uh, and I, and, I, and you know, we have a problem with this, but they were called unskilled labor. As we started learning and talking to people, that's what they were being referred to. Uh, which for the most part, again, you know, that term itself is, is a conversation for another day, but. Low-wage labor consisted predominantly of new immigrants who, if you think about it, they, they don't have a driver's license, a new immigrant, right? These guys, for the first six months of landing here in Canada, they're expected to be able to what? You know, house themselves, feed themselves, which require earning an income. Think of it, Alan. We don't realize this. Like, all these people got cut off to get to work. We
1: didn't. I didn't think of it that way. I just thought, hack transit. I mean, not that I live on it anyhow, but for the people, I can't go to the ball game, can't go downtown. I can't take my briefcase and go to work. Not, I must. Get from
0: point A to point B. To it. work. In yeah.
1: Like, uh, these are the people who, not everyone owns cars, uh, believe it or not, um, and, or two or more cars. So I think this is a very interesting gap that, that we see. And, I, and I'm interested. So
2: what did you do? Well, that's exactly it.
0: So, well, wait, let me just back up here. So, w- was the focus on getting essential workers to and from work during the pandemic? Yes. Okay. Okay, so we got so that. How did you solve that problem?
2: So, in addition to the halt of transit, you think about tourism. Yes. Borders shut, flights grounded, Greyhound out of business, bus.com out of business, or, or you know, nearing. This is getting to be a depressing podcast. Well, so far it is, yeah. <laughs> it turns around. i will only really joking around. It turns around. This is good. I'm this is having a
0: bit of PTSD here remembering back to those days. But anyway, go
2: ahead. Yeah, yeah. This is a one step backward, two steps forward yeah, type of situation, right? Uh, so, yeah, you're right. This is where we identify that trans accessibility issues, you know, th- th- there's a problem. And, and we're, we're trying to address that today. So, so what we found was access to transit isn't equal. There, there was both an equity and equality issue when it came to access to public services, such as transit accessibility, where most infrastructure, if you think about, it's built around major transit hubs, such as Union Station or GO stations. These stations are built around developed residential neighborhoods. These neighborhoods and housing that's closest to transit hubs are typically the most expensive, right? When, when you look at property, What's the selling, the, point? the selling point? is close to access to transit. Yeah. And, and that, that that increases the value of it, right? Um, which is prohibitive to this demographic that we're trying to work with. And so we found that many of these people lived in underserved communities. And this is where our last mile solution was born. So to answer your question, you know, how do we address it? And it has since evolved to address accessibility and, and equity, but inclusion and diversity as well. You know, in addition, we're now... We're now focusing our efforts towards strengthening our ESG impact. I know it's a buzzword, but it's a podcast, so we can use buzzwords, right? You
0: have to. I think it's the law. Yeah, yeah, I think.
2: And then we, we thought, yeah. yeah. So, so we removed you know tons, tens of vehicles for every one shuttle we deploy, and, and I'm going to get there. We plant trees for every shuttle that we deploy um, to offset our own carbon footprint, with a goal to be you know net zero, and and ultimately build a platform that just not just meets the needs of today, but the needs of tomorrow, which you know, then goes our sustainability impact. So you asked me how we do this. Yep. I spoke about tourism and the grounding and all of it. So a lot of these charter buses, shuttle companies, they were at a standstill. And so what we wanted to do was not reinvent the wheel, but mobilize idle vehicles that couldn't operate due to their industry being affected by policy. And so with these buses that were idle and and kind of just parked in mass amounts, we decided to charter them through our app, which is which is in development today. We work with them on essentially saying, hey, you've got these buses, you've got drivers that need employment, and you can't move any of them because tourism is dead. We've got a whole sector and segment of people who require transit and they can't access it because public transit is either frowned upon or also not accessible because again, it's, 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 it's done at 2 a.m. Um, for an overnight shift that doesn't work, or their doctors and medical professionals were being told as a workplace policy, you can't take public transit because of transmission. So you need a dedicated service. So,
0: wait, you were basically Ubering buses?
2: We try not to use the term Ubering.
0: I understand. Because but I'm trying, we're not I'm trying to understand it. They're not rideshare because you will contract no, the whole company. But you're doing it through an app and you do it on an on demand basis.
2: We are today. So so again, you know, we roll back time. We didn't have the app yet. Okay. Everything was manual. We coordinated, we had a we had a, a, what we call a solutions architect who coordinated routes. Um, we would find a, so essentially what we do is identify clusters of people um, within this workplace where they live. And and what we found is a lot of people um, that work in these facilities, there, there was a pattern. There was a trend. They all lived in clusters you know, of areas. Alan, area. I love this. <laughs> okay, wait. I, I, mean,
0: I just want to get a, a, another clarification here. So you would contract with these plants yeah. and places of employment? Yep. Got it. And so so take, thank you, they're doing a route and tra- taking people to work and well, picking up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like what we see with, with Google and Apple and everybody in the Bay Area, Well, right? the, the, buses. the but, buses. But here's my point, though. I know we're going to go through that, and
1: I know I'm jumping, but I, I don't see a service dying. Well, not care about pandemic. Neither I do mean, I. I mean, it,
0: it does seem to be fairly efficient oh, in terms yeah. of I mean, moving employees, and at the same time, it's better for the why employees. Why didn't I think of
1: this?
2: Well, what the I don't heck?
0: know. Okay, sorry, Robin. We we just had a conversation between ourselves. Go ahead. I
2: like the tangents. Okay. Well, I think you did think about something like this. That's why you brought us here, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you you asked how. So how do we actually resolve these issues? What, what are the what are you know what's our solution? I mean, once once we really dove into it you know, we started getting a lot of insight from these organizations. We, we furthered our efforts. We were able to work with recruitment agencies, talent acquisition firms, staffing organizations that are meant to support HR initiatives and job placements, right? That's, this is the whole conversation. With a solution, you know, we, we developed a solution that most of them were ex- experiencing uh, that we could address is that, you know, engagement from employers typically had a requirement that hindered job placements. There's that one line, must have a vehicle. Right. Um, and what we found was that these manufacturers and facilities were located in more remote areas. In fact, they were located in industrial zone lands, actually, far away from residential neighborhoods, which makes sense, you know, due to the environment, environmental impacts, such as noise, pollution. That's yeah, great. No, it's good for that. That's so right. Great right. right decision. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like residential, there's, there's, there's different zoning. I don't zoning want plant. them next door. I mean, you don't. neither yeah. do they. Do you want so. a meat
0: processing plant next to your no. house? No. No, of course Unless not. Unless I can break in and take some meat. It's uh, got to be good meat. A5 way goo, please. You go. from Australia
2: or from Japan Japan, Japan. are ah, you kidding that was a trick it? question I had oh, geez. No, no, no. there's only one type okay thank you thank you go ahead um, so so you know this meant no no transit access uh, because if you recall my earlier comment transit is built near residential suburbs you know for, the, for ease of access and for the most part and that means you need money money is that money that these people don't have um, and you know they're working pretty hard to attain let alone save so I think you're starting to follow the issue now and I think you can see where I'm going with all this Pretty big problem, right? Yes, we're we're trying to narrow down our focus, if you will, to working with the different organizations, as I mentioned, in a public private capacity. Because ultimately, you know, when when you're de- when you're developing a city, when you're investing money into infrastructure, if you are a municipality or a region, you want to attract people. You know, land is, is just untapped value. Your region is untapped value without people.
1: When do you become a competitor? To the city,
0: to transit.
1: Um, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. And by the way, yeah, good for you. I, it doesn't matter either yep. way. Yeah. Um, so I like that question, Forget the though. TTC or Oakville or Mississauga. Um, I'm already running a
0: deficit. Okay, I mean heck. they all are. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pumping tra- money, and no, I'm pumping money in like crazy. Yeah, there's not a transit company in the world that makes no, money.
1: No, and and's dying, and I got to get more ridership. I don't need him come along.
2: Right. So to answer your question, when do we compete with well, transit? Late, I'm going to I'm going to stop there too. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Yep, yeah. 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 Yep. Um,
0: Tell me what the smart city component is. Well, well, I was going to go there at the end with them, but well, okay. Well, no, go, I'm go I'm, do I'm, it. Now. I'm jumping it because I, I'm really... Con- okay, so we have a situation where you have these furloughed vehicles that are perfectly fine that are required by companies with essential service workers that need to be transported from their homes to the place of business and That's home. how it started. That's how it started. That's how it started.
2: started. Right. right.
0: Then how did that evolve into... A post-pandemic thing became an opportunity for everything. And
2: okay, and I feel like I got to switch spots with Greg. (laughs) I
1: think you do. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. See, I'm the
2: dummy. I've done a lot of reading on this, guys. That's that's why I'm brought in. No, no,
1: he's great. Um, No, no, I get it. Okay. So so,
2: go ahead. Go. Yeah. Well, so so I'll go ahead and say it first. You know, I think some people will will resonate with. Some people may not like it, but it is what it is. I'm going to say it. Okay. If you're
1: disrupting, you should be hoping it doesn't resonate.
2: So, all of us are sitting here right now. Um, I can say we're privileged. Yep. Sure. Right? Yeah. I'm going to assume we all drove here today, or at least drove to the nearest transit station, but I'll assume we all drove here. Yes. Yep. And we live relatively close to transit hubs or lines if we really needed to. No, no but I do, yes. How far is it for you to get to transit, Grant?
1: Right? I don't know. It's, I li- <laughs> it's not even... It's, it's, not, <laughs> even,
0: it's <laughs> not even... <laughs> yeah, okay. Not-
1: so, it isn't. I'll be honest with you. Um, I live on Niagara Lake, but I live in Oakville most of my life. And... Um, I was very close. I lived on, you know, Lakeshore. I could get up to Tropical But, but, I never took it uh, because, as you said, I didn't have to. Um, it wasn't a
2: thought that ever entered your mind. No, though.
1: no. Um, and you couldn't pay me to do it. It wasn't because I thought I could get something to do it. So, I was probably not that guy you're going to sell um, until I started believing in the environment, realizing the impact I have and others have that I started thinking about it. In all fairness, okay, so so I may never get on that bus, um, but I'm doing a lot of other things I would not have done to make the environment better and encourage people to take. Well,
2: you're entrepreneurial, okay? You're entrepreneurial. You own businesses. Let me, me okay. Bring bring this back. Are you going to do something to me now?
0: So no, what I'm going to say is okay. So you've got these this this plan to take furloughed vehicles. You've got it figured out. He's doing it. Right. And where are we now post-pandemic? Yeah, yeah. How is that he's evolved gonna get there. from a non-app way of yep. engaging these buses and transporting these people into why you're here today? Yeah.
1: Remember, he's got, um, they've been, like any startup, they're going to take right-hand turns. All the time. And so they have taken some right-hand turns. Okay. And where they started was, I still think, is brilliant. Um, they've now made some focus and so on. And he's going to tell us where he's doing that.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, my, my goal at Hopin is to reduce the gap, you know, and all the above in, in equity and the equality issues as, as it relates to transit accessibility, you know, to make it easier for folks to get to where they need to get to, not just to survive, but to have a decent standard of living, you know, and find joy in their work without the stressors that come with it. God knows we already have enough enough problems that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm-hmm. And what we saw during the pandemic, speaking of post-pandemic, right? Uh, and now within our labor force, is a shift towards more emphasis and ultimately budget being allocated towards employee wellness programs. Yes. And again, you're following. There's there's, there's a slow, gradual yeah. path to where I'm going with this. Um, people are starting to care about their staff, which in my opinion should be their most prized asset. Again, not their land, not their product. Because without people... These are all just concepts. They're ideas. They're ink on paper. It's it's land that's unrealized potential without people. And so I asked Grant just now, right? You're, you're a business owner. You're entrepreneurial. How do you run your business without people? Don't say AI. Well, unfortunately, you don't want me to answer that.
0: Because he will just bring up robots and yeah, yeah, let's not Yeah, Yeah, but so, someone's got to so, develop it. No, someone's no, no, no,
2: no.
1: And he's right. No, right? first of all. You got to eat. I have always been the same with our employees. And if you talk to anyone here, they'll tell you that. Um, however, in saying that, um, there is no doubt the number one issue right now is the importance of the employee. Yes. Although it should have been that way all along.
0: Yeah, but, but they, it didn't. They, it doesn't matter the reason. The pandemic was the thing that did, did. that
1: brought it out. Right. And, and I think that's great. When you're moving a million miles a minute, you forget things and you forget that as well. And by the way, the employees aren't all like religious and great as well. Except for Chick-fil-A. Yes. Yeah, so, no, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Let's not uh, talk about them. Yeah. But, but, but you know what I mean? Because I'll get I mean, not not simultaneously in, and hungry. Yeah. And I'm now I am hungry. <laughs> That's going to get um, cut, isn't it? <laughs> I'm hungry. No, no. Um, but, but if you look at that guys, um, the employee today, um, we're, we're encouraging them to be more efficient and have more time. If they don't own a car, forget it. They're not, they don't fall into that category guys. I'm telling
2: you, there's no, no. way they don't fall into that category. Underserved communities, gentlemen.
0: Okay. Right. Continue on. I'm following this very slowly because again, I'm the dummy. Go. That's my job. That part we won't cut out. No. <laughs> so.
2: it's, it's on the record. Yes. Many times. Yeah. Uh, so the solution was, uh, you know, it's, it's to address this issue as a whole, which is the first mile, last mile problem. And so the first mile, last mile solution. Um, we use, or, you know, we, we try our best to use technology to, to enable people to extend their reach, essentially, to bolster talent acquisition efforts, expand hiring pools, increase employment opportunities that were otherwise prohibitive. And we've worked with communities such as, you know, Durham Deaf Services, senior retirement homes, healthcare organizations. They also need help, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we talked about, you know, municipalities, we talked about city development, infrastructure. Ultimately, your goal is, um, as a region, city, town, whatever you want to call it, is to uh, be sustainable. And that means, you know, uh, it starts with money. You need to generate tax revenue and to generate tax revenue, you need uh, transactions. You need money to exchange hands. That's how you tax, right? And so how do you increase transactions? How do you increase more money exchanging hands? Well, you increase the number of hands within, within your oversight. You want more people. And how do you attract people? You have to make it convenient ease of access. Wellness. You have to care about them. You have to think about how they operate on a day to day life, right? Um, And that's where the whole equity and equality conversation comes in because we all are striving to achieve something to get somewhere, and that's the common ground we all have, regardless of where you came from. So you've you've
1: got this this great, great idea uh, that's not no longer an idea. It's running. It's operating. You're moving people around. Um, Love it all. And they make money
2: how does they make money how do we keep you in business so we charge um okay so let me let me dial it back when we first started we we simply did a, a markup um on on our solutions yep. um, because the way these organizations charge for tourism they had their own business model which kind of fell apart because well there was no tourism and so we found a way to understand the cost of sustaining and maintaining a vehicle and the cost of having, uh, well, you still need a driver, ultimately. So you need still need that person, right? Um, and so, again, during the pandemic, we really, really tried not to be profit-driven, believe it or not. Right. We, we had considered at one point, I was like, you know, should we be offering this as a nonprofit? Sooner or later yeah, but I get it. Right. I get how you start. Yeah. So, so at first we were doing anything, we threw everything at a wall to see what sticks, honestly. Right. Uh, we worked with restaurants because they weren't allowed delivery. They, they you know, couldn't do delivery service. People were afraid to order food uh, because of the pandemic. Right. And so we, we went down that path of basically testing out every possible pilot and concept we can engage in to see how we can just keep our economy moving in the way we, we once believed was normal. And so fast forward a few, a few years after our, our sliver of margins that we were adding onto these services, uh, we started developing a platform, um, multiple apps, one for the driver, one for the riders, obviously, Um, But more importantly, one for the organization that we work with, one for the employers, which we consider, which we coined as the corporate dashboard, which provide transparency and insight into their staff and the mobility of them, right? No longer did a processing plant, who if you think about a manufacturing processing plant, these are all very structured environments, right? Um, it's, It's basically an assembly line. And so any sort of disruption assembly line generates inefficiencies. So what we tried to do was rather than find out that you're going to have one, two, or three staff not show up or be late as you're starting uh, you know, your next shift at 8 a.m., you would find out an hour before because we had a corporate dashboard with a rider app and a driver app that told you who was getting on board, specifically who your staff, whether it's a manager or, or a frontline worker. And they knew ahead of time it's a big deal. I mean, when they would, and they can plan a course. They have sure. an hour I mean, to reschedule and rejig their operation.
1: He has a, he has a, an application that picks up people they are on shift. Um, it's really simple. But it's now part of. It, of, of it's also an HR component.
0: Mm-hmm. You know who's coming in and who's not coming in, and, and how to it. rearrange things before they even arrive.
2: And that's it, right? More importantly, you knew where they were coming from and how long it took from to get there. And so when you're hiring, and you're trying to find people you could do so in a much more effective and efficient manner, more informed, right? Again, data-driven, if you will. So, you have your data, you're redoing
1: routes, you're making recommendations based on data analytics, which is really great. So, so uh, where are you today? So, we can jump forward a bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, So, what people need to understand is our population is aging. Hence the increase in immigration to supplement a declining workforce. So with an increase in immigration coupled with an aging population, you know, something needs to change. Something needs to give. And change is what we're striving to push for. Within our communities, we, we are, we're we partnering with municipalities, right? We're partnering um, with existing infrastructure because, again, we're not here to reinvent the wheel. We are here to encourage and increase the use of existing transit infrastructure. People are not going to the GO Transit because you need a car to get there. And when I take this GO Transit, my next stop is another GO Station. When I get to that GO Station, I still need a transfer bus, subway, streetcar to the front door of my of my workplace. That's the last month. So solution. you are working
1: with an integrated partnership.
2: We are. We've actually partnered with Metrolinks. We've partnered with a number of other cities. And it's a smart move. Right? Because when we partner with Metro and, and get this, Metrolinks invested into our solution because they found that it increases the volume and ridership of- Number one, very good. Very, yeah, the whole transit. That's, that's exactly where you have the win-win. That's the that's win-win. And so, and what we're doing, we, we take all that information and we start providing insight to organizations such as employers, such as talent agencies, recruitment firms, to build a better place to live in a sustainable manner. And, and you know what? I, I believe this is where smart city development will really improve the lives of people.
1: How much is it? Do you still is still most of it buses and?
2: Yeah, so we we charter and we work with um, anywhere between six seater, eight seater shuttles all the way to to coach buses because it's not a, a one size fit all situation, right? We have access to it. There are mobile vehicles that are deteriorating, sitting on a lot. Why wouldn't you use it? Is there a lot of them? Okay, yeah. Where do you source these vehicles? I, I, I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Like- well tourism has not completely recovered but it's in, going to in that sense it will it will um so okay let's do that then
1: yeah where do you see the future come on i mean we we agree you got these buses a great idea i love the idea yeah. and you know we can go more in depth another day but get this all stuff running oh god tourism's booming now um everything's back on stream where do you see your niche
2: I think, I think data. I think what I think we hope to get to a point where we've got enough data because we've created a solution and a platform that has natural uh, yeah. touch points. So, you're going to be platform-based platform and based. let everyone else
1: run buses one day.
2: Right. Yeah, right. Gotcha. It's, it's all going to get automated. We're in the process of-, of uh, Oh, geez. I
1: mean, we're going to have autonomous buses. Right. You know that guy.
2: Right. So. Right. Um, hopefully, these buses, uh, you know, we, we, we're in the conversation right now with a number of other organizations to, to, to uh, transition into EV. We have hydrogen fuel companies approaching us. Obviously, the government's pushing for it. There's grants.
1: Let's talk about that. Um, I oh. would think,
2: and I'm, again, calm,
1: I won't say I'm stupid because I'm not. I'll say Alan
0: is. There you go. Because he is. <laughs> um,
1: but, but no, um, the, um, isn't there? I mean, I would think. I could go to the government and say, "Look at what we're doing. Give us some money." How do you, have you I'm talking about you guys. I mean, are you getting government funding? You should be.
2: We're we're getting there. So we're okay, we're good. actually in conversations with a number of the aforementioned cities. Okay. Um, and as I, and you know, I, I didn't mention this, but the so what, we run something right called the Commuter Connect. Okay. And the Commuter Connect essentially bridges existing infrastructure that is Metro Links with. The Northumberland Manufacturer Association, the Coburg area, because that's where a number of manufacturers. are So you're up by Coburg. You're up by Coburg. Yeah, that's one okay. of what's one of our service areas. Okay. Right. Um. And and right now. Can I stop you there? Yeah, absolutely. You
1: just said something interesting. One of our service areas. So you only offer service in certain areas right now. That's not a bad thing because you can only offer so much. So you have regions that you're developing because you have enough people to develop yep, for that.
2: Yep. And it's a gradual growth. Yeah. Right. Sure. At, once you've got pockets, because again, you know, we start off identifying clusters. Where are the inefficiencies in the clusters? Right now, you can't hire east from west because on the northern side, unless you take the 401, Absolutely. it's a two, three hour yeah, drive. Yeah, it right? changes everything. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna go another tangent here, so hear me up. You take uh, Markham Unionville Go Station to Whitby Go Station, it's yeah. a 40, 45 minute um, yeah. ride. First yeah. of all, I've gotta get from my door, wherever that may be, to, to the station. that station yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I get to Whitby Go Station, there's a GM plant about a 10 minute drive down the road. It's a 10-minute drive down the road. I'm not, not driving. Walking. I'm yeah. not driving though, know, because I know, when I don't... get off that go station, I've, I've there's no car waiting for me there. Yeah. I'm taking another form of public transit. There's only one bus route that takes goes to that GM plant. It is a 45-minute bus ride. And
0: are you working with GM right now?
2: We're trying to. GM, maybe hear this. Okay. So, okay. so
0: you would get off at the go station. Yeah. And there would be a dedicated shuttle that would take employees to that plant. You got it.
1: That's the hope. I mean, I know what no, I think is crazy,
0: Alan. It's so obviously needed. And I never, maybe I assumed it was being done. It's kind of, it's kind of like. Well, yeah, I, I kind of thought it thought, might have been, but maybe it's not. not. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, you know what we, this we, is? We got through the cluster Wait, thing. You know what this is, Grant? These are school buses for employees.
2: We work with stock.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. let's look at where he is today. So, he's moving stuff around. And, of course, my viewpoint on that is, Though you know we're having, I'm my viewpoint. Obviously, it's crazy. We'll have Airbuses. they're flying people across the city in 20 minutes. I like but, cover
2: crafts to come to so fruition it's someday. It's going yeah. to happen. Come
1: yeah. to? What do you mean come to? They are here already. What are you talking about, guys. Grant saw so, one. We just don't so, know about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 idea being is, look, um, the bigger question, Alan, is in the intelligent smart city. It's all about analytics. These touch points, whether they be sensors, whether they be transportation information, whether they be things that you're providing, um, it all is going to come down to one day of all this analysts going to say it's going to change the world, hopefully make it better. That's our goal, right? Hopefully. Um, and that's our goal. We get that. And I think everyone wants that. Um, so I think what will happen is your company uh, will become an, a strong analytics company that right now, these transit organizations, companies don't have the data. They, they don't have the data. No, they're this. just carrying bodies, right? Yeah, they, don't they don't know have where they're data. coming from, where they're ultimately and so going to. I see the importance of, of things like this. So I do see where it goes. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, you know, as you guys won't agree with me probably today, but we will not have phones. So um, we'll have applications and, and wearables, uh, just as Tim Cook says. But um, I think that these implanted um, analytics will help everybody. And I think, you know, the reason I brought you on is it's, it's I've always said to everyone, we can have the best manufacturing plants. We can have the very best buildings downtown and the great Ontario places and all the places to go to. But if I can't get them, it really doesn't mean anything.
2: You know, what's crazy is that we, we have existing infrastructure. We have transit, it exists. All sorts of transit. Yeah, yeah. Subway, streetcars, buses, YRT, TTC. Every region's got their own dedicated. But they all operate independently of one another, right? That's they're not right. They're not synced. It's been the history of our world. There's no coordination. Yeah. They're all independent entities of one That's another. That's changing. It, it should. It is. With the likes of yourself. It's changing, yeah. Right? It'll all be brought together.
0: And there's another episode of the Smart City Podcast. Thanks to Rob and Tam of Hopin Technologies. If you want to know more about what they do, visit hopintech.com. And if you have any questions or comments for us, send something to feedback at thesmartcity.blog. And don't forget to check out the website, thesmartcity.blog. The Smart City Podcast, brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless solutions. Executive producer is Grant Furlane. Technical production by Rob Johnston. Executive assistant is Andrea Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time.